0: The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
1: Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Nina Willen. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Today's podcast guest is Janet Stoy Davis. Janet has 34 years experience in wound ostomy continence nursing and has been certified as a WOC nurse since 1985. In 1996 she began a private wound ostomy continence practice first as a partnership and presently as sole proprietor practicing across the continuum with a focus on ostomy care and a passion for patients attaining their desirable quality of life janet runs three outpatient ostomy clinics serving different populations she lectures nationally and internationally has co-authored both a home study course and an educational video as well as published on the quality of life of people living with an ostomy. Janet also participates in ostomy and incontinence-associated dermatitis research. Today's topic is part one of a two-part series regarding ostomy assessments, and specifically the initial assessment in a patient's home. Thank you, Janet, so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. Yes. So we'll dive right into our questions. First is, how do you prepare for an initial home visit with an
0: ostomy patient? Hopefully, you have some a chart to review. I know that in home care, we don't get a lot of information on our patients often, but if you do, especially with an electronic medical records and if you're in an integrated system, you can look that up. I think the thing I want to see is... First of all, what type of surgery they have, and not only to determine if they have an ileostomy or colostomy or urostomy, but also do they still have a portion of their colon left? Because there's going to be things that you want to talk to the patient about because of that is this a permanent or a temporary so finding out what they what surgery was and why they had it is real important and then of course any kind of discharge summary or any kind of notes that you can see Mm -hmm. to help prepare what you're going to see when you go into the home
1: so what do you bring with you after you've done that initial preparation Um, what's actually coming with you to go see them
0: Well, it's kind of limited because I only have so much trunk space and so many pockets (laughs) on my lab coat. But I try and bring mostly one-piece pouches with me, um, a a, a variety of maybe flat convex, maybe soft convex and regular convexity. Two-piece systems, I'm not harsh either one is good it's mm-hmm. just that the two-piece systems I need more product I need yep. more space so I can always order that for patients but I try and stick to one piece is just because of the uh, the convenience of it mm-hmm. and then I bring an array of accessories um, ostomy powder um, some caulking material in the way of strip paste or rings and uh, toothpaste mm-hmm. and I also bring ziploc bags for two ah. reasons one is one for disposing of the old pouch but also I like to put in the whatever I'm using for the patient along with a pattern I want to stick that all into a nice little convenient packet mm-hmm. so I bring Ziploc bags with me and of course gloves and things like that yeah super I love that that's very smart i mean some literature okay I got the literature yeah I try and bring something in case they didn't get something when they were in the hospital okay so educational education yes. for them okay. okay so as you're entering that patient's
1: house what are the some of the first things you're assessing as you're getting there?
0: Probably initially is the emotional status of the patient. Sometimes it's really obvious when you just are, the door is answered and someone is frantic or Mm -hmm. crying and um, other people are very relaxed. And so I think knowing that are they struggling with the basic survival skills Mm -hmm. or are they kind of managing pretty well and they're ready for some extended information? Mm -hmm. Um, So really looking at emotional status, who's in the home, who's caring for the patient, those kind of things help set the stage of Mm -hmm. where I'm going to go.
1: Okay. And I remember in my home care days, even looking at, do they have running water? Yes. Do they have like those elemental things that you need? So I worked in the the rural
0: area of arizona one time and i had a couple patients that had no running water so that was a very that was a challenge challenging yes. absolutely
1: <laughs> if home care nurses wrote books they would yes, be yeah best exactly. sellers for sure <laughs> um so walk through your assessment routine when you're actually examining that patient and figuring out where they're at with things and what they need okay in regards to the ostomy
0: sometimes when you go into the home and initial assessment patients are still like laying on the couch or laying in bed um, some of them are greeting you at the door. But what I do like to see is how are the contours of their belly, not mm-hmm. not just when I take that pouch off, but my assessment starts before I take that pouch off. Mm-hmm. How is the pouch wearing on them now? Are they bending right where the ostomy is? So looking at the environment that that pouch is in mm-hmm. is really important before you get the pouch off. It's going to tell you a little bit about where you need to go and what maybe right away, I think, it won't work, a very stiff pouch, maybe, if they have folds, so um, it starts then, and then, of course, then I take that pouch off, and I always look at the back of the pouch, the pouch is going to tell me a story, and I, you know, I used to always look at the pouch um, and put it aside, and in my mind, I'm going through, oh, this is leaking here, or this is a good seal or a poor seal, now, when I take that pouch off, I ask, tell the patient to look at that pouch. Um, I ask them, is this, you know, if they've done a couple pouch changes, I might ask them, you know, is this how it usually looks? Mm-hmm. So it gives me an opportunity to tell them that, yeah, that's a good seal, or no, this is not what you wanna see. And I can go on there and kind of teach them as I'm yeah. going. So I'm looking at the back of the pouch. And then of course I'm assessing the stoma cause it's a new pouch. I mean, a new stoma mm-hmm. creation. Um, is the mucotaneous junction intact? Yeah. That's where the stoma and the skin meet. And then, what's the condition of the peristomal skin? And then, I—that's my assessment part. And of course, what's the output? You know, what am I dealing with? Am I dealing with a high output? It's just going all over, or am mm-hmm. I dealing with something that's starting to firm up, um, or is it a ureastomy? So, those are the things that I'm looking at initially. Okay. So, what
1: happens when? Um, so, you're doing this assessment, and the patient maybe isn't even looking at their stoma they you know they're they're removed from it all how do you approach that as you're going through that assessment that's a are good, you helping them
0: yeah that's a good question because everyone asks me oh they're not looking at it what do i do mm-hmm. you're not be able to force somebody to process through and cope with their ostomy you can't force that now mm-hmm. a little bit depends on are they living alone or is there a caregiver i can ask them are you ready to look at it um, i remind them that it's not painful it looks really you know like it would hurt but it doesn't mm-hmm. you know I kind of I the the way I explain it to patients is this is part of your intestines we feel food in our mouth once we swallow we have no idea where it is mm-hmm. so there's no touch sensation sometimes that helps that they're not so fearful of it yeah. that they're not going to hurt um a little bit depends on the patient um is are they depending on a caregiver a spouse or a or a a daughter or son to take care of this Mm -hmm. and is that family member okay with that generally I find that they will start to look at that when they're ready you know sometimes it's out of necessity they live alone or it's like when they're in the hospital they don't want to empty it Mm -hmm. oh no I can do that I can do that well when they get home they have to so then they're going to pay attention to you what you're saying more yep. that instruction is going to mean something then because they know they have to they have to participate they mm-hmm. have to engage in there so I don't force it with my patients I figure that they're going to come around when they come around it's the like, it's a grieving process they change Absolutely. their body image and so yeah. they, everybody grieves with it differently um, so I always offer that they can see it if they can't look at it easily I always have a mirror in my pocket I'll give it to mm-hmm. them and they can watch so it it's, it really varies. Yeah, but I don't force it.
1: Yeah, I heard a statement one time, and I it resonated so much about just meeting them where they're at. Yes, and and going from there because yeah. they're not going to really hear what you're saying about anything else if they're not ready to exactly move forward yep. with it. Good statement. So, yeah. yeah. So, tell me what factors in the home might affect your pouching and care recommendations
0: for a patient. I think the the functional ability of the patient are they going to be able to be caring for themselves um you know they had a stroke um are they blind or they can they get up and move around are they going to be emptying it in the bathroom mm-hmm. um is a caregiver going to be emptying that for them you know what would make it easier for a caregiver um you know you might want to do a close i mean a a two-piece pouch if someone's caring for the patient because it might be easier for them. Um, Even the direction that you put the pouch, if they're going to be sitting or they're going to be lying down, are they bed-bound? Maybe related to survival skills, um, you know, are they really in that basic just needing to get a pouch to stick Um, and they can have a lot of other information, you want to keep accessories down to a minimum, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those things... Depending on the emotional state and um, just the whole environment of the patient—is it a clean home? Is mm-hmm. it a cluttered home? Mm-hmm. You know, can they find their pouching and all <laughs> the supplies? And some care nurses you can go in, and sometimes you can't find anything yes. it's scattered all over. Yes, so, so all of those things kind of play a role.
1: Okay. Are there, um, are there different online or printed resources that you recommend or utilize for your patients? Um, you had mentioned in the beginning that you bring literature in. Um, talk a little bit more about those resources.
0: Well, all of the manufacturers have great literature out there that um, I actually use in the acute care setting as well to mm-hmm. get them those initial resources. They I give them the websites for the um, for all the manufacturers because they also have really good online resources. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of YouTube videos. People surf the, the web, so I try and give them reliable sources yeah. um, for YouTube. Uh, the University of Chicago, Jan Caldwell, who is well-known in the Austiny world, she did some great videos through the University of Chicago. So I give them actually how to search for those on YouTube, so they have those. Mm-hmm. Um, we have support programs all the manufacturers have. Um, for instance, Colplast Care Program really helps that we have, they have care advisors that reach out to those patients and kind of can answer questions and give them products if they need mm-hmm. um, to sample. So all of those things I think are important. Um, trying to get them to reliable resources um, is what we try and do. The other thing they have out on WCN, which is – our national organization with ostomy continence nurses, they came out with a interactive online assessment, peristomal assessment guide, peristomal skin assessment guide, Mm -hmm. PSAC. Mm -hmm. And they have one for consumers and they have one for uh, or clinicians and they have one for patients. If you're, if someone's not versed in a lot of ostomy care, even as a nurse, I think the consumer one gives some a little bit more information because they have some videos and stuff on there as well. Mm-hmm. And they kind of walk you through if you have if you're trying to assess peristomal skin and you have some problems, it, it works you through asking you, is it near the stoma, is it on the outer border, is it red, is it denuded, is it white, is it gray? Just, mm-hmm. you know, is it is there a rash? And they try and get walk you through the steps to try and give you some. Direction of how to approach that problem, and then of course they direct you back to an ostomy nurse if it's something that goes beyond that or they, that isn't very simple. But it's a really good resource, um, I think, for both patients and uh, clinicians.
1: Awesome. And I know also on that website there is a search function for them to be able to find uh, an ostomy nurse yes. near them, which I think is a an important resource for nurses and patients yes. to know about. Yes. Very um, so. true another good resource so you mentioned um that assessment or that um peristomal skin assessment being a resource for patients and then also for nurses any other resources for nurses that you recommend
0: um i think actually all the things on the manufacturer websites Mm -hmm. are really good in um, the WCN website has a lot of um, information that you, some of the information you don't have to be a member for, mm-hmm. and they'll have some information on there.
1: Yeah, just to encourage people to go to WCN.org to yes. look at what those resources are, yeah. even if they're not a member. There's right. a lot of good info yes. on there, like yes. you mentioned. So. You've mentioned survival skills a couple different times now. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about what what are those survival skills that you're referencing
0: um, that patients first need to understand um, when they have an ostomy? The basic, it would be know when to empty the pouch and how to empty the pouch. That's probably the first thing that the patient themselves does uh, and then when to change a pouch and how to change a pouch. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes that is initially a caregiver um, and then the patient gradually starts to participate in that change. Of course, depending on the patient and how how assertive they are in their own care. Mm-hmm. But emptying, changing, and when to call for help. Usually, I tell patients that if you're ha- if the skin isn't in good condition or you're having trouble with the seal, to call someone. And usually, if if they change that pouch again, one or two pouch changes, that skin is not clearing up. And they've done everything that they know they need to let us know. Mm -hmm. So, but the so I guess the basic survival skills would be to empty and to change the pouch. Now, ileostomy patients are a little bit different. Um, The highest rate of readmission for patients, especially with ileostomies, is dehydration. And I think there was a study of over ten thousand patients, and they had a thirty-one percent readmission rate within 60 days. And the, the most predictive factor was having an ostomy. So those high output ileostomies, that is a survival skill in itself that they need to keep hydrated. Mm-hmm. So we tell them water, um, everyone thinks about Gatorade and they drink a lot of Gatorade. Well, Gatorade has a lot of sugar and actually can be counterintuitive if they drink a lot of them thinking they're giving themselves all that salt and potassium. Those are the things that they lose. So what I tell them to do is get the low sugar volume and put a pinch of salt in there. So okay. they're getting a little bit more salt. Um, you know, talking to them how to thicken those secretions up, those are important, just as important as probably pouching for those patients so they don't get readmitted or have to go to the emergency room. Definitely.
1: So when you're back to um, the first couple of survival skills you mentioned about when to empty and when to change, can you elaborate on what you actually tell them as far as uh-huh. that education? Yeah.
0: Um, About a third to a half full. Mm -hmm. I usually tell them a third because I know it'll get done by a half. (laughs) (laughs) And that's of stool or air. You know, they get a lot of ballooning, what we call ballooning, because they have a lot of gas. And that usually is in the first month or two. They have a lot more gas, regardless of what they eat, just because of surgery. So they have to keep that empty because I tell them if it gets too full, there's nowhere for that pouch to go except off the skin. So emptying that before it gets too full, plus the weight of it is actually, you know, can be detrimental to that seal. Empty it when it's a third to a half full and changing it. I usually tell patients in the beginning, at least every three days until I see them again and I can determine what that wear time is. Learning the wear time is an individual thing. So I just tell them um, every three days at first. I try and get people long-term to empty just, I mean, to change twice a week just because it's easier for them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be counting how many days was it? When do I have to mark on the calendar? I just know every Monday, Thursday, or every Monday, Friday, I change it. So they get two days a week that they know that they just change it. So, um, but back to that, the survival skills would be a, a third to a half full, empty it, change it every three days. And, and then we'll go from there as time goes on.
1: Yeah. And I love that idea of the, the future being like designated a couple different days. Cause I feel like that just gives them so much more control yes. over their life and their ostomy so that they know this is when I'm going to change it. And I don't have to worry about you know, potentially leaking in between if I right. go too right. long. Yeah. So that element yeah, I try to tell
0: people my goal for you is to fit this ostomy into your life, not to fit your life around the ostomy. Yes. I love that. Yeah, Absolutely. So in closing, what is
1: one pearl that you would have for home health nurses seeing a patient with an ostomy?
0: Probably to remember that the, when we're talking about this is very early on. So I think initially the nurse has to remember that the pouch is going to tell them a story. So looking at that pouch, so it helps direct your care. If, the, if you take the pouch off and there's a poor seal, you know that the quality of life of your patient is not going to be good if that thing is, is we have the quote-unquote silent leak. Hasn't really come out all the way on their clothing yet, but it's actually getting out from or undermining and affecting their skin. Quality of life of our patients is utmost. Important. Mm-hmm. So, looking at that pouch to determine what kind of seal they have, and tweaking your care after that. If it's if there's a crease there and it's sneaking out at three o'clock, maybe I need a little bit of caulking there to mm-hmm. kind of plug that up. Um, it was the whole thing eroding away? Maybe I left it on too long. Maybe it's really caustic effluent. So, looking at that pouch, determining why it looks like it does, and and taking those next steps to change that to get it to the optimal good seal quality of life of the patient is good they don't have to worry about it they feel more secure and they they kind of go on that road of living with an ostomy and adjusting
1: thank you so much
0: for oh, talking for with me today Yeah, a pleasure it's been wonderful
1: thank you for joining us for this episode of the bowel and bladder matters podcast part of coloplast professional where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us professional.